Jewish Money Matters, episode 289, Lessons in Entrepreneurship with CEO Hani Rosen. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. I quit. I quit. I gave my notice sometime in October or November of 2015, and I said, I'm going. He's like, no, you have to give me until the end of the year. I said, okay, fine. So I I give you until December 31st. And in January 1 of 2016, I walked into my office. I did not have any clients. I was looking at the phone and nobody was calling my name and nobody was interested. Like, I'm like, what am I doing here? Did I lose my mind? It, it was very scary, but it was very exciting. And, you know, just doing, doing my own thing. Yes, scary and exciting. That part might be familiar to many of us, but what might not be as familiar is growing up with the feeling that nothing is too big for me. That's how my guest today grew up. The only sister of nine brothers, Hani Rosen, was always treated as one of the guys. Today, Hani is the CEO of Cavalry Associates, a design and expediting firm with in-house architects, engineers, and expediters that specialize in obtaining all approvals and permits for New York City construction projects, which has very rapidly become an industry leader. Hani thought she was going to open a property management company, but God had other plans and she followed along. Maybe that's also the secret to success. Nothing is too big when you bring God with you, right? Listen to Hani on this. Hani grew up in the Hasidic neighborhood of Borough Park, Brooklyn, and after a few years working in property management, she decided to go solo with her brother and open shop. And in a short six years, she ex- expanded her business services and grown to a team of 25 people. Pay attention to how she embarked on entrepreneurship and how she deals with hiring despite being a perfectionist. Control freak, perhaps at times, she says. Hani's unconventional advice for those of us having difficulty delegating personal finance responsibilities to our husbands. Hani speaks from experience. This and much more with the lovely Hani Rosen. Hani Rosen, welcome to Jewish Money Matters. It is such a pleasure to have you on the show. I mean, it's not every day that I get to speak to a woman who has really taken the real estate world by storm, especially in New York City. You're the CEO of Cavalry Associates. You've positioned yourself as a leader in the expediting industry. We want to hear about that. Grown your business really rapidly. I think you're at about 30 employees now. Um, all while raising a large family. And should I mention that you're what, barely 30, honey? <laughs> Not even? <laughs> I celebrated my birthday this year, but thank you so, this month, I'm sorry, but thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute honor. And like I said before, I don't accept any of them. I'm excited to speak to you too. Like any, you know, podcast invites, I'm excited to speak to you too. So thank you. Mazel tov, mazel tov. Well, let's dive in because uh, you have busy clients who need your services and, uh, you know, Superwoman's got nothing on you. You know, I'm going to be taking notes, okay? <laughs> I'll be taking notes. So why don't you, you start by you. telling us, what do you start by telling us what, what exactly is expediting? What do, what do we mean when we say that you're the CEO of an expediting firm? What does that mean in terms of real estate? Okay, so expediting is the way the word sounds, like expeditiously. Um, so that's what we try to do. We try to get um, developers and contractors 
approvals from different city agencies quickly. And um, these city agencies are obviously very bureaucratic. So with that being said, typically it's anything but quick. So I think I think that that's where the word expediting comes from. I don't know, but it makes sense to me. Um, but currently, because of all the changes that have been happening at different city agencies due to COVID, due to, you know, just continued development in New York City, um, we now also do design. So we have an architectural and engineer, civil engineering in-house right now so that we can offer that to our clients. So we are now doing design and expediting. Ah, very, very interesting. So wait, before we get into the the business full on, tell us, Connie, a little bit about the journey. Like what, how did you get into this field? Um, this is, you know, not something that they teach us in school. You don't go to, you know, you don't go to a training and to become and take a class and become an expediter. Um, how, how did that, what would, connect the dots a little bit for us? How'd you end up here? I followed God. <laughs> I love like, that answer. <laughs> Yeah, so I wanted to do property management because that's why my like my position before you know opening this company was I was doing um, I was basically working in a, a property management company and as part of that we were taking care of violations we we're taking care of vacate orders and stop recorders and all you know all the things that typically come along with uh, managing a property and my full intention was to do property management but as I you know post my services to other um, owners and you know property owners. Uh, it didn't go very well. So one of the sales pitches that I used to use was if I was your property manager, I would fight your sanitation violations, which are a hundred bucks. And everybody's like, ah, nobody does that. You can't do that. You won't win. It's just a, I said, try me. And they did. And from there, I got different violations, ECB violations, DOHMH, DEP, all different kinds of violations. And then I got a violation for work without a permit. So I had to get a permit. So I had to need to, I said, sure, I do that. I do it all the time. Um, I figure out how to get a permit. Oh, you need an architect involved. Okay. So, you know, from there on it. And now we do new building developments. And by chance, we also do violation certification if it's a project that we're already working on. Um, so, yeah, I was really like the way was really left for me. It wasn't I didn't. Yeah, it wasn't like I will become an expediter. I didn't even know that that's just such a thing exists. And what that you literally just carved these this path on your own. And like you said, yeah, kind path of path was carved for me. I just followed it. Exactly. Following God's whispers, as they say, right? Yes, absolutely. And it was pretty, pretty loud, the whispers. So <laughs> here I am. Give, give me an example. Give me an example of one of those moments where you were like, okay, God, I hear you. I, I, I got to talk to that client or I got to do this. Like, w- w- give us examples. So was, yeah, so it was very interesting that every time I approached somebody and people were only seeing me due to our brothers, sisters, you know, you know, some sort of relative or somehow like we like just out of respect for whoever, whether it was, you know, something that we've done together in the past or a relationship that, you know, they were currently in or I, you know, got lucky to be in. Um, but every time I was, you know, talking about the, you know, offering the property management, like, services and what we would, like, they weren't listening. You know, when that person is just, like, looking at your phone and, like, I, I just read the room. But then anytime I spoke about anything else, like construction or um, violations or stop recorders or some of that work that I've done for my boss as, you know, in his property management company, their ears always perked up. Hmm. Like, they all of a sudden were listening. And so I took the cue. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's it's so important what you just said. We so often overlook it, but there's such an important principle in business about listening to the needs of 
the audience, right? What are people really, like you said, people were not listening, but when you talked about that, the ears perked up, there was a need right there. And some other person might have overlooked it, but you didn't. Yes. And in the beginning, honestly, I just tried using that um, to try to try to get appointments. And, and, and I started the conversation there and I tried to end it there, you know, trying to use that towards, you know, what my ultimate goal was until I stopped, you know, until I stopped. First, I just used it as a means. But then it was like, OK, so what's happening here? You know, and then everything just came together. No, honey. Honey, you were working for somebody initially, then you start testing the waters to go on your own. What was the, you could have stayed working either for your boss oh, no. or somebody else. I, I quit. I quit. I gave my notice sometime in October or November of 2015. And I said, I'm going. He's like, no, you have to give me until the end of the year. I said, okay, fine. So I, I give you until December 31st. And in January 1 of 2016, I walked into my office. I did not have any clients. I was looking at the phone and nobody was calling my name and nobody was interested. Like, I'm like, what am I doing here? Did I lose my mind? It, it was very scary, but it was so very exciting. And, you know, just doing, doing my own thing. Uh, my brother has, my brother, it was my brother and I that have been doing it together. And when he gave notice, he was out of his job at two weeks later. So he had set up the computers and the office. I'm like, okay, great. I even had a logo. I even had letterheads. I did not even have one client. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was definitely an interesting experience. Um, yeah, I guess I could have gone back to my boss saying, I would like to get my job back. I don't think that, um, I think he would give it back to me. I think he would take me back with, you know, with open arms. I'd like to believe so. But I don't give up. So, so I didn't. I, so what was yeah. it that what was it that you realized that at that point? No, I need to go on my own. Like, was there a financial impetus where you said, no, I could be making a lot more money? Was there just a desire to be your own boss? Like, what was because many people will just decide to stay with a steady paycheck. And just, you know, you could have kept doing that. But you close you, you close that chapter and you sat at your new office with no clients. And you said, I'm doing this. What was that impetus? So um, for me, it happened where my brother was also doing property management. And he's like, honey, why aren't we doing this together? He mm-hmm. happened not to have had the best experience with his, you know, with his job and his boss. And his, he didn't love it as much as I loved mine. And I was young. I was making, you know, I, I was happy with the amount I was making. I thought I was the richest girl there is around. Um, and give me a challenge. And I don't know how to say no to it. <laughs> So I said, yeah, it sounds like fun. It's, uh, you know, something new, something exciting is always, you know, something that I would get attracted to. And that's what happened. And and what did your husband say to this? What were those early conversations, you know, with regards to having a business, bringing in the money or not bringing in the money? Because now we don't know what's going to be. What were those conversations like? I don't think my husband knew how crazy this actually was. (laughs) Like, I don't think he realized you're going from a stable, nice income to potentially no income, like to instability, no income. Um, he, I don't, I, he had no idea what I actually said when I said I'm thinking of doing property management on my own. And, but cool and guy, that's know? a that's Trust a way of being supportive, right? Like ignorance is bliss, kind yes, of thing, in its own way. Absolutely. Wow, wow. And and now and now that he sees everything that how it's turned, does he work with you oh, or so no? Much has changed. So much has changed. So um, he has worked with me for, he worked with me, then we, let's just say he got fired. (laughs) And then he came to work for us again after having experience at a different um, firm. And he worked with us until before Yentiv. And now he is going on his own. 
So he did work for me for some time, almost like two years. Aha, aha. Interesting. Okay. So he gave us notice. (laughs) Okay. Well, on to bigger and better. And you'll support him in that endeavor too. Good. Very nice. Absolutely. Honey, you mentioned God. It was like the first word that came out of your mouth. You know, let's, let's, let, let's talk about bitachon for a second. You know, there's something I always teach and you'll, you'll appreciate the, the analogy, but I always say that bitachon for me is the foundation of the financial structure, right? Without bitachon, the whole financial system is weak and is shaky. Um, it's just, it's, it's such an important piece and it's such an important piece of entrepreneurship. You've just, you know, given, given us a little bit of insight into your entrepreneurial journey. Uh, and as you know, the business person sees that revealed hand of God more often than the Torah scholar even, even, right? Cause we're in the world. We like see it so revealed if we open our eyes. Um, tell us, you know, can you shed a little bit of, what that's your the role Bitachon has played in your life and, and in particular in your in your business and growing the business and dealing with the challenges, the roller coasters, the ups and downs, the financial ups and downs. Right. So um somebody once asked me, like, what do you like about your job so much? Like, well, you know, I love my job. I really do love my job. But the things I like, like more about my journey, my role, my, you know, how it evolved in all those, you know, six years that I've been doing this is my growth. I think that I would have never had the opportunity to grow in the way that I have. And they're not because, you know, everything was nice and dandy and, you know, like, oh, I've grown to become so, you know, to the size I am or to the, you know, the client, mm-hmm. the clients that I have. I've grown as a person, as, you know, a yeah. person that's now, me and Hashem, we talk on a minute to minute basis. God, it's $500. I need that on the account. You know, like, you know, just, um, keeping him at my side at all times. And it's definitely the hardships and the difficulties and the sleepless nights and the, you know, all the difficulties that come along with starting a business and continuing to run it that has, it it left me with no choice, but, you know, Mm -hmm. but to, but to look up and look around Um, and thereby, you know, building my relationship with Hashem and, 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 Somebody asked me, so when do you have time to dive? Because I was telling somebody, I said, when do you have time to dive? It's like, I'm kidding. I dive more than you do. <laughs> you dive in three times a day. I dive in every single minute of every single day. I get on call with the clients. Like, you know, I should be nice and kind. I get on call with the Department of Buildings. I shouldn't, you know, say the wrong thing. I should, you know, so, and and I I feel lucky that I've been let into it because I don't know if not given all these challenges or not giving all these, like, there's just a lot going on and I, and yeah. I, let's just say this is not the type of thing that I could say I could do on my own. Sometimes right. you could kid yourself because I could really make a cook really well all on my own. I could really do the shopping and be successful and get my kids. Worried. I could do it on my own, but this is, you can't even, you can't even kid yourself because right. you just right. can't do it on your own. And so I have to um, see him and I have to make that connection that I now yeah, have. Rely. And so that is why somebody says, what's the best thing about going on to business on your own is growing as a human, growing as a yid, growing as a mother, growing as a spouse, growing as a human. And that I don't ever give up. It's one of our core values to be hungry to learn and aim for excellence and always want to be better than you were the day before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that answer. And yes, business is really personal growth on steroids. <laughs> Uh, unbelievably i i it's surprisingly so i did not i don't think i i realized it before i started as to how much Mm -hmm. 
how much personal growth would be required for them. Agreed. Agreed. And by the way, they don't, I should say they don't teach that in business school. Like I, I wish I could go back to, I, I, I did an MBA in New York City and I wish I could go back and stand in those classrooms and tell students like, if you take anything is understand the level of personal growth you're going to experience if you go into business, like as an entrepreneur, that's it, man, you know? Um, Absolutely. And I have to say, I was a teacher before this. I taught seventh and eighth grade and no, I, maybe I was younger and maybe I was, you know, not as open to everything going on around me, but I can't, I have to say that even being a good teacher to seventh and eighth grade teenage, which is a lot, it's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of, you know, learning about interpersonal life. It hadn't taught me half of what, yeah. opening and running a business is teaching me every single day. Yeah, I I hear you. I hear you. You mentioned making being a mother and 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 obviously, you know, I'm sure this question has come come up a lot, but your your story is so unique because you're doing this while raising a family and, you know, being there for your children, something that is not easy and not everybody has the stamina, the ambition, right? The resilience to do both and excel at both and try your best to excel at both. So perhaps shed some light on, on what, how do you balance it? I, I think balance is probably the wrong word. I don't think there's real balance ever, but for lack of a better word, how do you balance both roles? Okay. So I always say something is going to give, right? Right. So up until recently, I had a nanny. She was in my house, uh, you know, she was, she was there a lot. I can't say 24 hours, but she was there all the time. She was there a lot. Um, and I felt that my kids' physical needs are taken care of. The business, obviously, I had the ability to go out more often or earlier or stay later, you know, just because I had that help in the nanny. And I had the, you know, hand around the house, that extra pair of hands. I mean, you know, it's golden. And then I gave her up because I wanted to be, you know, my kids were growing up. They no longer needed only their physical needs you know, tended to. Um, right. So I gave up my nanny and now the house could use some help. I used to be, you know, very proud of my closets. And now I'm like, well, what were we so proud of this? You know, that she did oh them my. for you, as you'd say. Um, so I have to say that one thing that I learned is something's got to give. And right now I'm very happy that it's my closets that are giving and it's not my kids' emotional health or the, you know, attention to my business and my clients. Oh my so gosh, nobody, nobody should think that it's all like, it's just the only thing that's not out there is, you know, my closet. But if you see it, you say, oh, it makes sense. Okay. <laughs> now I see, you know, now I see how this is happening. Uh, and I laugh because I recently had such a conversation with my husband that I said, what happened to me? I used to have a spotless house. Like, look at these closets. Look like I can't keep up with the house. And he smiled. He's like, well, it was different then. You didn't have a business. We didn't have as much workload. The kids were younger. You had extra help and you had extra time. And we just cracked up. Like, that's what's going to give. Like, the kids are growing up yeah. fine. You're there for them. I'm just really happy that the container store is not costing as much as it used to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, something, something gives. Something always gives. And you have to just look around to see what's giving and making sure that you're fine with that being the thing to give. Mm-hmm. And right mm-hmm. now it's the house. And so be it. Yeah, so be it. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, yeah, one day we'll become OCD again. It's okay. After they're, we marry them off. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to tell you what it looks like when I walk into the house and I, I see what it looks like. Uh, you know, I have to remember that 
I'm, I'm neglecting the house so that I could give my kids emotional support and, you know, yelling and screaming or getting hysterical is not going to help emotional, you know, support for the kids. So, exactly. so it's always, it's always a struggle. Let's not right. care ourselves, you know, because yeah, OCD didn't just disappear, but totally, but I'm definitely more mature to handle it now. Let's say it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And our standards go down and therein goes again, the personal growth thing, right? I mean, it's motherhood oh, and yeah. running a business. I mean, take those two. Psh. All right. So let's talk a little bit about your upbringing, Connie. Um, cause you're obviously a very ambitious woman. Um, like I said, not everybody decides to do this. What was your upbringing around money, around work, business? What lessons did you learn growing up in your parents' home that you think shaped you in adulthood? Um, I wish my father's um, saving money, like the way he used to watch on money and what he spent on and how he saved it would come through to me. I have none of that. Um, but one of the things that I think I can't say is like our financial situation at home molded me in any way, but what did mold me was my father, both my parents, my father and my mother always telling me that you want to do it, do it. Sure. You could do it. You could do it better than anybody. Like that attitude of, if you decide that you want to do it, you will do it well and you will do it better than anybody that has ever done it before. Mm-hmm. Somehow I, I'm trying to remember now exactly what it is that they said that instilled that and I can't put words to it, but that's the feeling that we've always gotten. Nothing's too big for us. Um, and yeah, I think that that's what gave me the confidence to, to, you know, to just go for it and, and, and feel that I can make it, you know? Um, but I can't say that it was a financial, like it wasn't my parents' financial up or down that has made me go into business. It was just believing that I'm capable of doing anything I set my mind to. And, and, and what a powerful lesson. And, and even, even more poignant is the fact that this was instilled in, in a woman, right? You know, um, that you can do it. Like- I mean, I did have nine brothers and my father was used to say, you know, like I have 10 boys, one of them wears a skirt. Um, so he didn't really <laughs> treat me any differently due to the fact that I'm a girl. And, and maybe that's why I'm doing things that, you know, like that most women, don't think of doing just because I, I, I was, I was never treated differently because I'm a woman. Mm. Um, it wasn't like Connie will have this job and all the other nine boys will have this job. You know, it was the jobs were divided evenly. It didn't matter which was hard, which one was easy. And they did not go easy on me. Um, being a girl was not an excuse. So maybe it's what helped, but, um, but yeah. And if it is, then I'm very happy that I never got, away with anything. Right. Oh, I like that. I like that. It's, it's, I love that. I love that. Honey, um, you know, now talking to, you know, we're talking about the, the financial lessons and, you know, you were saying like you saw your father, you know, saving and all that. And you're like, okay, I wish I'd gotten some of that in me. But, you know, when we talk about business, I'm sure at this point you realize there's like, there's the business, right? The making it rain. And then there's managing the cash flow of the business, making sure there's enough to go around and pay everybody and do everything financially responsible. And then also there's that personal money side, right? The money that we take home and we also have to manage. And even as I say it, I'm exhausted, right? Because it's like, it's a Mm -hmm. full-time job in and of itself, like taking care of both, right? So any advice for us on how to manage both? What do you delegate? You know, who do you delegate things to? What do you do? How do you do it? Okay. So, um, Trust your husband, even if he knows nothing about money and is afraid of Kylo, you know, Kylo or has 
never written a check before. Are you going to teach him and stay as patient with him as you would your kid? Um, I know it sounds funny to say, but I've so many times given over my, our personal finance to my husband and then took it right back because, uh, you know, late payments on the credit card or, you know, a balanced check because, you know, um, so I think that what I've learned was just like he's doing it for the first time, give him an opportunity to fail and then leave it with him because giving over my personal finances was the best thing that I've ever done because now all I got to do and I'm responsible for is to bring home the paycheck and the rest, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. it. Like, that's it. Um, I asked my husband for cash. I asked my husband how much I could spend. I ask, I ask him for everything. Um, so I would make a chase pay to a friend without asking him if like, because he like, it could be a million dollars in the account. It could be no money in the account. I won't know what's really like, what's really there and what our finances really is. And I'm lucky to have not given up trying to give it over. Cause like I said, the first time I gave it over, took it back, gave it over, took it back because I was a control freak and I needed to control it. And I felt out of control, like by giving it up. But once I did best thing that ever, ever happened to me, um, because I have so much of the, you know, business financials that I am responsible for, I need to be on top of, or, you know, just stay on top of. And, and I can't say like, oh, I don't want to know how much we have. I don't, you know, like, like I'm not in a position to be able to do that on the business, the business front of things. And I do have to know where we're at there. So I'm glad I was able to give up the personal. Um, it was a struggle, but I made it. Good for you. And I'm very proud of that. So, um, so yeah. I think that was the question, right? How yeah, I do it all. Yeah, I don't do it yeah. all. I give, I give that to my husband and, you know, Baruch Hashem, I have great people working for me, but still in the, at the end, it's my responsibility to ensure, you know, for numbers to be at a certain place at all times. So, um, luckily it's what I love to do. And, and, and you know what? I, I, I love that answer because it's, it's, it's so different from so often in this space, we talk about, you know, both parties being involved and there be transparency. And I don't think that what you're saying goes against that. It just adds that layer of you got to trust and you got to allow the other adult in the relationship to own a part that you can't take because you're taking another piece of the financial responsibility. That's not to say that there's not going to be communication and transparency and, you know, I'm assuming, right? Like there, there, there has to be that, that, that's part of the trust. It's not like, it's not something that just happens. Like I just don't want to know about it. It's more like this is going to be your strength and no. this is going to be my strength. Right. right. So, so uh, my husband always says, you work so hard. You're not getting any bonuses. This, you know, I'm like, what's the matter? We need a bonus. Like, <laughs> you know, that kind of conversation. And we always keep that, you know, open, you know, that line of communication open. And, and of course it's not like, Oh, you know, things are terrible. Take care of it. It's your responsibility. No, absolutely right. not. Um, and my husband would definitely say like, okay, this and this is my plan for Yantiv. Please make sure that, this, you know, this is not to be used. And, and, and like, this is what I want to spend for Yantiv and take note of it. And this is how I want to spend it and so on. And then we would have a discussion about it if it doesn't work with me. And most of the time at this point, I mean, I'm out for 13 years at this point. Um, we're both splurgers. So it makes our it makes it a little bit easier. I mean, harder <laughs> and easier. But for the sake of you know just being on the same page, um, we're definitely uh, it's definitely easier. You can but, empathize with each other, which is so important. Yes, 
we we absolutely but then talk savings is like oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're talking about two people that just love like get joy out of spending money it's it's yeah we need, we need our hands tied and the money like ach don't expect it to like be forwarded or deposited into separate accounts it has to be like withdrawn mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I i don't know if it's a positive or a negative i guess it takes away a lot of the like um working you know working things out in the area of finances but i guess it would probably be beneficial to a marriage if there was somebody like this and somebody like that but i wouldn't know honey you're so fabulous and you are you know up early and you're doing all these things and you evidently learned your business early on very, very well to the extent that you were able to pivot when you needed to and expand and grow and be flexible, which suggests to me that yeah, you're fabulous in, in, in the sense that you know what you're doing and you do it well. Why am I saying that? Because very often one of the, the challenges in growing is finding the right team and yet we can't grow if we don't have the right team. But when we're so good at things, oftentimes it's very hard to find the right people because our expectations are so high. So maybe you can talk to us a little bit about that challenge, the challenge of hiring, since you now have your your hands experience on this. Yes. Um, right people, right seats is like, are we, like it's, it's, it's my middle name. It's what I'm thinking of all the time. And it's why every time I come up with a problem, I'm like, hmm we have the right people, right seats, it's not going to happen. And sometimes there are seats that are vacant and sometimes there are seats that are not filled by the right people and they have to be maneuvered and they have to be. And it's also very difficult when you believe, you know, how to do everything best and you don't know how to delegate. Hello, Connie. So <laughs> right? uh, it's definitely a constant, constant struggle, but I was also very, very lucky and fortunate to be able to find right people and, you know, and I have the seats for them to fill and I just have to let them fill it and constantly remember to stay away and let them fill their own seats. Right. Because it's not a question that they're the right people. It's like, will I let them do the job that's, th- that's supposed to be theirs? Um, or will I do it for them? And when I do, I ask them to call me out. Like, honey, you asked me to do this, but then it was already done. Hmm. I'm like, yeah, because I wasn't, you know, let me do my job. And I appreciate when they call me out for it. They help me, you know, they help me help them do their job. You know, it's as, as somebody that, that is such a perfectionist and um, struggles with delegating, I feel very lucky to have people that one of the things I look for, you know, when I say right, right people, what makes somebody right, if they could communicate and they could be open about, you know, what they're doing wrong, but as well as call me out as to when I'm doing something wrong and not mm-hmm. allowing them to do their job. And it's a constant struggle, but I'm very proud of my people for helping me through that struggle because that personally is something of a challenge. Yeah. Wow. That takes so much humility. That's, that's amazing, honey. Um, we just started the new year. It's Cheshvan. Um, we're just back in the world, in the world, right? And uh, not in the bubble of Tishrei. What, what, what's next for you, Hani? What, what are, do you set goals? Are there any goals that you've set up for yourself for the new or, year? Do you make business goals or financial goals? Anything like that? Yeah, I make personal and business slash financial. Um, 
I work on them in quarters. Like every quarter, I have a different goal, and then wow. which hopefully will reach me to my annual goal, which is, mm-hmm. is part of the EOS system. It's like have quarterly goals, which will reach you to the bigger goal, which will hence reach you to the bigger goal. So yes, of course, we have our 10-year goal, and we have a three-year goal, and we have our one-year goal, and thereby have our quarterly goals, which are our rocks. Um, for me, as a visionary of the company, it's more my personal goals that I work on because everybody has, you know, somebody has, you know, the PNL or the, the revenue or the this or the that. And it's not really my responsibility. Um, but you ask what's next. There are so many things that I have in mind. And I'm so happy that I finally have um, a team to be able to, you know, like take my ideas and make them happen. So as a visionary, I'm really focusing on becoming a better person for myself personally, which thereby leads into, you know, professional evolvement just right. because you can't, you can't grow only in one area of your life. That's what, you know, all this growth has taught me. Um, and yeah, and giving an opportunity for my people to do and, and to do their roles and to make my visions happen. Amazing. So I'm very excited about like actually having those people now. And I, I took notes, right people, right seats. I'm telling you, I'm taking notes. It's the first time I heard it like that, but it's, it's, uh, it's to be noted. Have you found it challenging to be a woman in this space and the, you know, in the cutthroat New York real estate space? Talk to us a little bit about that. The obvious answer is yes, but more than finding a challenge of being a woman in, you know, construction development, a mostly male dominant industry. I've also found it to be like very advantageous because you're different. Like you stand out just by being you. So that alone gives you brownie points of just like existing a woman in the male dominance industry and then add on to it that you're really good at what you do and you know what you're doing and you love what you do. Then it's just like, you know, um, but absolutely. I actually had where I was going on to a site and, you know, the, the uh, department of building inspector says, Connie, you're not going off that site. I said, yeah, I am. I'm what? Watch me. What do you mean? I come out. <laughs> yeah. He's like, where's your boots? I'm like, boots? He's like, you need construction boots. OSHA, laws. Do you know what those are? And I'm like, I was looking around. The guy was not wearing boots. He was wearing nice tie shoes, but it was just men's shoes. It wasn't, you know, ballet flats, as you would say. Um, in the end, he, you know, he's like, he let me go on and he, you know, but like nobody here has boots everybody just has regular men's shoes mine are ballet flats because i'm a girl what am i going to do about that you know like (laughs) you're not telling anybody else about that but that was just like one funny thing that happened um just a couple of different things here and there but more than it being a challenge i really really only saw it as an advantage Hmm. very nice very very nice all right honey let's wrap it up with what i like to call jewish money matters fill in the blanks and this is where i'm going to give you an open-ended sentence and you'll finish it with the first thing that comes to mind okay all right. First one is when I give Miser or Tzedakah, I like to give to? Needy. My family. Family first. Nice. Always. Yeah. Nice. I'd like to make more money because? There's so much that could be done with money. Yes. Something I wish I'd learn about money growing up is? Save it. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> money, spiritual or physical, honey? Spiritual all the way. Mm. Something I splurge on unapologetically is? Shoes. I heard Chanel shoes, eh? <laughs> yeah, I, I said shoes. I, I'm trying to now think as to why. 
I'm so unapologetic about it. Maybe if I'd learned the saving tip, I wouldn't, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be, but it's just what it is. <laughs> it's okay. We're allowed to have our splurges. And this one, I know the answer to spender or saver. You already told us. All right. Today, I'm Absolutely. most grateful for myself, my husband. Hmm. And finally, I'm Hani Rosen. And I believe Jewish money matters because we have so many important things to do and so much good that we can do with it. Yeah, absolutely. Hani Rosen, thank you so much for your time. Tell us where we can connect thank with you. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, I uh, enjoyed this. So on LinkedIn, maybe, I don't know, uh, email is my best form of communication. I'm usually on back-to-back calls, so I will respond to you while talking to somebody. It's very difficult to have. So, um, I, I could be contacted via email. LinkedIn, your website. Excellent. And we're going to let you go back to expediting things for those very, very lucky clients of yours and all those big projects. Thank you so much, Connie. This was beautiful. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. Take care. Thanks to Khani for stopping by. You can find her on LinkedIn and on her website, cavalryassociates.com. Thanks so much for being here. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and rating. Scroll down the Apple podcast page for this show on your podcast app until you get to the reviews and rating section and click on write a review. Every Friday, I will pick a reviewer of the week and then we'll win a 20 minute money call with me. Those are really fun. And as you may be able to tell from my voice, I'm a bit under the weather. So I didn't miss last week's episode. I apologize. Um, I did have to cancel also a bunch of interviews, um, even for this week, because I'm taking it slow. Uh, It is hard to record when you're coughing and sneezing. (laughs) You probably know that, right? So hopefully I do plan on being back this Friday and answering your money questions. I have definitely quite a few in the queue. Keep sending those in. Thank you for sending them in and you be patient with me and you can still continue to send those in via email, yael at yaeltrush.com or Instagram at Trush, or you can WhatsApp the number 832-317-6778. See you here Friday. Stay warm. Don't catch a cold like I did and have a great week.